Welcome to our study on the book of James. Today we're going to begin chapter 2 of this epistle. You know, I really like how James writes. He doesn't beat around the bush, does he? He just tells it like it is. And here in verses 1 through 13 of chapter 2, James continues to deal with certain precepts which we are to live by. In the first 13 verses of this chapter, James deals with one general subject of showing partiality. In verse 1, he clearly gives us the precept as he warns against showing partiality. And then verses 2 through 4, he gives an example from life. In 5 through 11, he gives us the reason why showing partiality is sinful. And then in 12 through 13, he gives us a conclusion as he gives us motivations against showing partiality. So let's begin by opening our Bibles to James chapter 2 and begin with verse 1. It says, My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Well, here James begins this chapter with my brethren. As we have seen in chapter 1, James is speaking to his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Then he immediately says, Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Well, James wants to condemn here the superficial judgment of people by Christians. He is saying, My brothers and sisters in Christ, do not hold to the Christian faith and at the same time discriminate between different classes of people. Now, just because we're Christians doesn't mean that we don't show partiality, does it? It doesn't mean that we don't discriminate between different classes of people. When we talk about showing partiality, what do we mean here? It means to favor some people over others or to pay special attention to a person because of their wealth, maybe their social standing, their position, authority, their popularity, their looks, or maybe even just their influence that they could have. Many times in churches today, you see groups of people who continually socialize with each other and nobody else. They form these little cliques within the congregation. Well, this just causes disunity among the brethren, doesn't it? And James is warning us not to do this. Of all people upon earth, the very people who should not show partiality are believers. And the reason is clearly stated here in verse 1. You know, we all stand on equal footing before the Lord, don't we? Wealth, status, social standing, position, appearance, nothing matters except that we come together worshiping Jesus Christ. Well, James goes on in verse 2 through 4 to give us an example so that we can learn. Let's look at this. It says, For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, You sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, 
You stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Well, here we see James is giving us an example of two men, right, that represent the extreme ends of wealth and poverty. He describes the one man with gold rings and fine apparel and the other man as poor with filthy clothes. Now the contrast between rich and poor would have been obvious here. You see, wealthy Greek and Roman men wore many rings on their fingers. And then the Greek word for the kind of clothing that the poor man is wearing means filthy and dirty. It would be as if he were poor, living on the streets, and hadn't bathed in a while. Well, a person like this makes us feel uncomfortable, doesn't it? And we have a tendency of avoiding them, and we shouldn't. Well, this broad spectrum between the people represented here, from the very rich person with all of his wealth to the very poor person on the streets, James is showing here that we are not to show partiality to them or anyone in between. The picture painted in verse 3 clearly shows partiality towards the rich being escorted to that good seat where the poor man is treated as being less important and thought of as no better than a servant who sits at the footstool of his master's seat. It is said that in those days they didn't have many seats to sit on and so important people were given the seats. Well, these men, ladies, were both visitors, and they should have been treated both as important people. Ladies, in God's eyes, there is no distinction, is there? And there should not be in ours. God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart, and only he can see what is truly in that person's heart. So if our outward appearance draws our attention to the person and away from worshiping of God, then our focus, ladies, is out of focus. You know, so many times we are quick to judge people by their appearance. My husband and I knew this man who owned several golf courses and vineyards. And if you didn't know him and you saw him in the store, you wouldn't know that he was a multimillionaire. He dressed in old worn-out jeans with holes in the knees and an old ratty sweater. But he didn't bring attention by the way he dressed to himself, to the fact that he had money. Ladies, if we dress to impress our friends, to draw attention to us as if to say, Hey, look at me, look who I am, then our focus, ladies, is out of focus. And we need to reevaluate our heart and place our focus back on God. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't wear nice clothes and jewelry, right? It simply means that we should always live our lives to bring honor and glory to God and not to ourselves. How many times have we passed judgment on someone simply because of the way they looked, their social status, or how much money they had? Ladies, we need to keep our eyes on God and not on man. No matter what our social status is or how much money we have, we all stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It is what we do with our wealth that matters to God 
and not what our job title is or how much money we have in our bank account. Jesus was not impressed with riches or social status. In fact, you remember the poor widow who gave her might and that was greater in God's eyes than the rich Pharisee who boastfully gave his large donation. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, it says, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. Ladies, just because one person may give more financially to the church than another does not mean that they are to be treated any better than anyone else. Let's read on in verses 5 through 7. It says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Now notice here that James says, Listen, my beloved brethren. You know, when you really want to make sure the person you are talking to hears what you are saying, you make sure you get their attention, right? Well, this is what James is doing here. The plea to listen indicated the intensity of James's appeal. James points out that God had chosen the poor to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those whom he loved. God chose those whom the world classified as poor in order that he might make them rich. Now, it's not as the world considers rich, but rich in faith. Luke 12.21 says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The richness included in a future blessing, ladies, as heirs of the kingdom. So we see five things wrong with showing partiality here. In verse 4, you see that showing partiality sets up one as a judge of men. And then you continue in verse 4, it also shows that it reveals evil thoughts. In verse 5, showing partiality discriminates against the poor and lowly, a people who are loved by God. And in the first part of verse 6, it shows a disgraceful attitude. And then from 6 to 7, it also shows that partiality is foolish behavior. You know, ladies, we hate it when we are judged by appearance, by false evidence or hearsay. But are we quick to judge others using those same standards? It is only Christ that can be the perfect, fair judge. And only as he governs our hearts can we learn to be as fair in our treatment of others as we can expect others to be towards us. Oh, never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. You see, God sees the whole picture, whereas we don't. And so you may think that you are fooling others by your outward appearance, but you can't fool God, can you? 
He knows every thought, every intent. He knows all. In fact, the way we behave towards people indicates what we really believe about God, doesn't it? 1 John 4.20 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? A person who generally possesses God's love will express it towards others and not discriminate against them for one reason or another. Ladies, I'd like you to watch a video at this point describing God's greatest commandment. Check this out. 1,977 years, 134 days, 16 hours, and 28 minutes ago. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus simply answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The message says, love the Lord your God with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence. You see, our love for God must be sincere, not just by the words we speak, but also by engaging our souls. To truly love God, we must be passionate about Him, inside and out. The only way to follow this command is to make loving God our first priority. That means everything else takes a back seat. But there's more. Jesus also said, the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, which also means love others as well as you love yourself. Love the unlovable, love the ones who don't deserve it, and love like you want to be loved. So the lesson is simply this, love God, love others. But the great thing is, if we make loving God our first priority, then loving others comes naturally. Oh, isn't that true? When we put God first, everything else falls into place, doesn't it? Love, ladies, enables us to obey the word of God and treat people as God commands us to do. We obey his law not out of fear, but out of love. John 15:12 says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Well, Christian love means treating others the way God has treated me. It is an act of the will, not an emotion that I try to manufacture. Ladies, the motive is to glorify God and the means is the power of the Spirit within. True believers are taught of God to love one another as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.9. Ladies, James goes on to say in verse 6 that showing partiality shows a disgraceful attitude. It dishonors, humiliates, shames, disgraces, and insults the poor and lowly person. Just think of the hurt and pain within the heart of that person who is publicly discriminated against. The pain and the hurt when he sees us shun, bypass, or ignore him and withdraw from him. Ladies, no believer is ever to make a person feel unwelcome or of little value and worth. Let's continue reading verses 8 through 11. As we see that showing partiality is actually a sin. It says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law 
and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Well, here James here is reaching back to the Old Testament for one of God's laws, as we see in Leviticus 19.18, where it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Our neighbor, ladies, is not just the person who lives next door to us. Neighbor here means anyone who needs our help, who we come in contact with. It is not a matter of geography, but of opportunity. Ladies, God the Father gave it in the law. And God the Son confirmed it to his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 34. As it says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And then God the Spirit fills our hearts with God's love and expects us to share it with others. In Romans 5.5, 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So ladies, we are instructed to love our neighbors as ourselves, aren't we? We only believe as much of the Bible as we practice. In fact, D.L. Moody, who was a great preacher, evangelist, and, and publisher in the 1800s, often said, every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. It was so fitting for D.L. Moody to reference shoe leather. When he was 17 years old, did you know that he went to work in his uncle's shoe store? And one of his uncle's requirements was that D.L. Moody attend their church. It was then that he accepted Christ into his life. Ladies, what we do, what we say, how we act should reflect our Christian walk. If someone was to follow in your footsteps, would they find Jesus? Well, finally, James gives us the conclusion as he gives us motivations against showing partiality in verses 12 through 13 of chapter 2. Let's look at that. It says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now the two verbs used by James in the original Greek here are in the continuous tense. It reads, So keep on speaking. And so keep on doing. In other words, do not put on a show to give the impression that you are doing what you say. It must flow out of your life. It must be a continuous practice. And you know, it doesn't take that long for people to know whether your actions are naturally coming out of your heart and not just a pretense. Ladies, here in verse 12, James is telling us that we will face the judgment of God for showing partiality. Therefore, we should speak and act like people who will stand before God and give an account for what we have done. 
We should treat people with love and respect no matter what their social status is, no matter how much money, their clothing, or their appearance. We are to reach out to them through our speech and behavior no matter who they are. God is going to judge us on the basis of how we have loved and reached out to the people regardless of who they are. Now, both Jesus in John 5.24 and Paul in Romans 8.1 assure us that Christian believers will never be judged for their sins, right? But our works, ladies, will be judged and rewarded as we see in Romans and 2 Corinthians. Ladies, our words will be judged. Note the words spoken to the two visitors in James chapter 2, verse 3. What we say to people and how we say it will come up before God at the judgment seat of Christ. Even our careless words will be judged as we see in Matthew 12:36. Our deeds will be judged also. Ladies, we need to practice what we preach. Our deeds will be judged accordingly. God examines the heart and knows our heart intent. You cannot hide from him. He will forgive your sins, but you still pay the consequences, don't you? And then lastly, our attitudes will be judged. Let's look at verse 13 of James chapter 2. It says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Ladies, mercy is precisely what the believers were not showing when they insulted the poor people. If they continued to discriminate, they would be in danger of facing their own judgment without mercy. Ladies, our beliefs should control our behavior, right? If we really believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that God is gracious, that His Word is true and that one day we will be judged, then our conduct will reveal our convictions. Now, one of the tests of the reality of our faith is how we treat other people. One day, ladies, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and be held accountable for our actions. What will be said of you? What will be said of me at the judgment seat of Christ? We are all held accountable individually for how we treat others. Do we treat some better than others? Do we judge people based on appearance, like the illustration pointed out here today? Do we judge others based on their religious beliefs? Your actions reveal your heart. Jesus did not look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Even his enemies knew that he did not show partiality based on status or appearance as we see in Matthew 22:16. Ladies, what do people say about you? Do you have a reputation of not showing partiality? The late Dr. Sparrows Zodiades, who was a great Greek scholar and wrote the keyword study Bible that I had handed out at our How to Study the Bible class, told this story. He said, Let us not be like that half-witted man who wore a most courageous coat. All down the front of it was covered with patches of various sizes, mostly large. 
When asked why the coat was patched in such a remarkable way, he answered that the patches represented the sins of his neighbors. He pointed to each patch and gave a story of the sin of someone in the village. Then he went on to the other. Until he had related the sins of all of the village. Well, on the back of his coat, there was a small patch. On being asked what it represented, he said, That's my own sin, and I cannot see it. Ladies, isn't it true? How we judge others and make a point to show their faults and sins, but we can't see what we are doing? It is Christ who is the link between us and others. And he is the link of love. We need to look at everything and everyone through the eyes of Christ. Ladies, James tells it like it is. He is telling us not to show partiality to anyone. We are to show Christ's love to all. And it is only through his love that we treat people as he would. Remember, you are a sinner saved by grace. And God gave you the most precious gift of salvation to be with him forever. Don't pass judgment on others because you will answer for it at the judgment seat of Christ. I enjoyed studying God's word with you this week and I look forward to meeting with you again in your homes next week. Until then, God bless.